Sarah. Uh, yeah, as, as Tom said, my name's Andy. I'm the children and youth uh, worker here at Inspire St. James Clerkenwell. Uh, and let me add um, my welcome um, to Tom's. It's great to be here with you, and particularly if you're here for the first time this lunchtime, or you're here to look into Christian things, uh, a particularly warm welcome uh, to you. Now, we'll have, we'll have come from a variety of different kinds of offices, different lines of work, uh, to be here this lunchtime. But I expect that uh, one thing that um, most of us, or maybe even all of us, will have in common is that as we go to work each day, as we go back to work this afternoon, we go hoping to make a difference. We go hoping to have an impact. Um, In the language that Jesus uses in this passage, we go wanting to bear fruit, to actually make something happen. Before I started working here as a children and youth worker, Um, I spent uh, just over five years at an economic research institute called the Institute for Fiscal Studies. And while I was working there, um, having an impact was the holy grail. It was the thing. It was what it was all about. That was why we spent hours and hours on analysis, on research. The hope was that we'd actually change things, actually have an impact on government policy to, to, to have an effect on society. Now, obviously, what having an impact looks like is going to be different for an engineer or a lawyer or, um, or a designer than it was uh, for me as an economist. But I think most of us want our work to make a difference, to be, to be fruitful, to, to have results. And if we take a step back, all of us surely want our lives to have an impact, whether it's through our job, whether it's through Uh, caring for a relative, whether it's through being a good friend, whether it's through serving church, we want to make a difference with what we do. We want to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And that's why whatever we make of Jesus, whatever we think of Jesus, his words in the passage we just had read to us are so important. Look with me at what he claims in verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Big claim, right? He's saying that that if we really want to make a difference on the deepest level, if we want to have a lasting impact, if we want to truly bear fruit, we have to remain in him. Without Jesus, outside Jesus, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So if we want to have an impact... If we want to make a difference, if we want our lives to be fruitful, we've got to understand what it means to remain in Jesus. We've got to understand that. So let's start with the picture Jesus gives us of what it means to remain in him. He says it's like remaining in the vine. We need to remain in the vine. Now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. They would have all known exactly what a vine would look like. Um, But I didn't, so I googled it, and I thought I'd share my results with you. Here's a picture of a vine. Um, So you can see you've got a a trunk-like thing kind of going into the ground, and then these separate branches, and the grapes are hanging off those branches. Okay, so Jesus is saying, he's the trunk. He's the true vine. And God the Father is the gardener, the one who cares for the vine. And we are those branches, And Jesus says there are two types of branches. The kind of branches you see in the picture that are connected to the vine and so are healthy and are bearing fruit. But he says there's another type of branch, a branch that is not connected to the vine. And that branch will wither and die and end up thrown on the fire. 
It's a picture of total and utter dependence. The branches are completely dependent on the vine for everything, for water, for nutrients, for life itself. Without the vine, they're as good as dead. They're completely useless. And Jesus is saying that in the same way, we are completely and utterly dependent on him. He's saying that without him, there is no spiritual life in us. One of my favorite parts of of this job is on a Sunday morning before church, I get to help run a football club uh, for kids who come off the local estates. And uh, one Sunday morning, I remember I went to the pitch, there'd been a massive storm overnight, one of those storms that wakes you up in the middle of the night. And on the pitch was this humongous branch, you know, five, six foot long, big, heavy thing, kind of the kind of branch you'd have to drag rather than pick up. And it had obviously, in the middle of the night, been ripped out of the trunk by the wind. And the branch looked strong, it was heavy. It looked healthy, there were leaves all over it. But it was done for, wasn't it? That branch wasn't good for anything. All that was going to happen was it was going to wither and die and at best be useful for burning. Jesus is saying that if we don't remain in him, we're actually like that branch. Things might still look all right, but ultimately we cannot bear fruit that will last outside of him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We're totally dependent on him. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge to how we think about ourselves, and it's a challenge to how we think about Jesus. Because our culture sets for us a default of thinking about ourselves as fundamentally independent. We acknowledge that we have relationships with other people, that sometimes other people help us out, maybe even sometimes give us something that we need. But ultimately, I'm going to stand on my own two feet. And what we do is we fit Jesus into that model. Yeah, I have a relationship with Jesus, sure. Yeah, okay, Jesus helps me out sometimes. Yeah, Jesus meets my spiritual needs. But we maintain our assumption, our, 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 our way of seeing the world as being fundamentally independent. But Jesus says that we can't bear fruit like that. We have to give up on that mindset of fundamental independence. Jesus could have said, couldn't he, you're the vine, I'm the watering can. You might need help from me now and again. But he doesn't say that. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we want to bear fruit, we have to recognize our total and utter dependence on Jesus. And so if you're a Christian here this lunchtime, I wonder, is that your view of Jesus, honestly? Is that, is that how you really see it? Do, do you go through most of your life thinking of Jesus as someone who helps you achieve your goals, who helps you achieve the impact you want to achieve? Or do you recognize your total and utter dependence on him, that he's the source of your life. That it's only as you depend on him for everything you can bear fruit, have an impact. And if you're you're not a Christian, well, great that you're here. Do you see how Jesus raises the stakes from what you might have expected? Jesus doesn't say, I can help you out a bit. I I can help you have a bit more impact, make a bit more of a difference. No, he's saying that without him, you can't ultimately have any lasting impact. That without him, each one of us without him is is like a a branch ripped out of the trunk. 
For for each one of us, it's only as we're plugged into him, it's only as we come to him that we can bear fruit that will last. So what does it actually look like to remain in Jesus? What does that actually mean? Well, it's to, to, to remain, to live your entire life in loving relationship with him. To remain in his love. Remain in his love. Look down with me at verse 9. Verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That is incredible. We read past it, but that is incredible. Jesus is saying that the love that the Father has had for him since before the foundation of the world, that that eternal love of, of mutual delight between the Father and the Son, that that is the love he has for us. That's the love he holds out to us, that kind of unbroken, perfect love. He invites us to share in that love, to remain in that love, to live our lives in that kind of loving relationship. And at its heart, that's what it means to remain in Jesus. That's what it means to remain in the vine. It means that we we love him. Jesus draws out a number of different aspects of what that loving relationship looks like. It looks like listening to him so his words remain and dwell in us, verse 7. It looks like obedience to his commands, verse 10. It looks like coming to him in prayer, verse 16. But it's not that we can reduce remaining in Jesus to a list of tasks. At its heart, it's a loving relationship with him. These things, they strengthen our love for him and they express our love for him. So think about um, a child and their, their father. Um, a child who, who knows that their father loves them uh, and whose father does really love them and wants the best for them and always does what's best for them and the child returns that love. Maybe you can think of a real child and father that display that kind of relationship. Won't that child want to listen to their father? Won't their relationship be strengthened if the child does that listening and learns what the father wants and, and lives in a way that pleases him? Won't that child who knows the love of their father want to obey their father, not to earn his love, that's secure. But in response to the experience of love they already have. And imagine that as this child obeyed their father, they found that the commands were good. That living that way brought them true joy. Wouldn't they love their father even more? And as well as listening to their father, as well as obeying their father, won't that child want to speak to their father? Very naturally, ask their father for good things. As they grow to love their father more and more, as their will is aligned with his, will the father not say yes to more and more of the things they ask for? And as the father says yes, as he gives his child good things, won't that child love the father even more? And on and on and on. That's the kind of relationship that Jesus is offering. That's the kind of relationship that Jesus is calling us to. That's what it looks like to remain in his love. 
He calls us to listen to him, to make sure his words remain in us so that we know what it looks like to love him. Jesus calls us to obey his commands, in particular, to love one another as he has loved us. That's how we're to live out our love for him, by loving those he loves, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And he promises that as we do that, we'll discover that that was the way to true joy all along. That the joy that Jesus experiences in his loving relationship with his Father will become ours. And our joy will be complete. Jesus tells us that he he loves us, he's chosen us, so that as we pray in his name, as we pray in line with his will, his Father will answer us and give us what we ask for. And that is how we can really bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That's how we can have a real impact. Not on our own strength, not under our own steam, but in that loving relationship with Jesus as we we make bold and dependent requests to the Father and he answers us. So remaining in Christ is is at its heart about remaining in his love, in this relationship with him, and that is expressed in listening to his word, in obeying his commands, in coming to him in prayer. And so if we want to check our kind of connection with the vine, it's totally right that we think about those areas and look at our lives. Do we want to listen to Jesus? Do we want to open up the Bible and hear his voice? Do we love other Christians? Do we care for them? Do we serve them even when it's not easy, even when we don't get on? Do we live out a total dependence in him by praying, not just in the morning, though of course in the morning as we set aside a time, but, but through the day? Whenever we feel overwhelmed, whenever we, we want to see something happen, do we, do we call on our Father in heaven? And if you're anything like me, as you kind of conduct that kind of spiritual health check, you'll find that you fall short, that you're not as prayerful as you want to be. You're not as loving as you want to be. Certainly as Jesus would have you be. You're not bearing fruit in the way you want to. And it's crucial that as we recognize that gap, we don't just respond by trying harder, right? You don't take a a fruitless branch and and, and glue fruit to it. You make sure it's connected to the the root, to to the vine, to the trunk. And in the same way, we've got to respond by strengthening our relationship with Jesus, our love for him. How do we do that? By grasping his love for us. What's his love for us look like? Well, look down with me at verse 13. What a wonderful verse this is. Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's Jesus' love. That's the extent of it, that he would lay down his life for us. Only a few hours after he said those words in that room, He was in a garden and he walked forward willingly, gave himself up to arrest and trial and crucifixion so that those friends in that room would escape with their lives. You can read about it in John 18. And then dying, and then the next day as he hung on a cross, he was laying down his life for us, his friends, 
That's, what, that's what's going on at the cross. Jesus is dying in our place. He's taking the death we deserve for our sin, our rebellion, our, our breaking away from him. He's taking it on himself that we might live. In the concentration camp of Auschwitz in 1941, um, there was a, a point where 10 innocent people uh, were, were basically at random um, selected and punished by death, uh, by starvation, in, in retaliation for a supposed escape of another prisoner. And as one of the 10 uh, people w- was selected, um, he cried out in anguish. He cried out, my, my wife, my children what will they do? And at that moment, there was a a priest um, who was a prisoner in the camp called Maximilian Colby, and he stepped forward and said, let me take his place. I'm old. He has a wife and children. And the guard accepted his offer. And Colby starved to death in his place. He laid down his life for another. Here are the words of the man who was saved. I could only thank him with my eyes. I was stunned and could hardly grasp what was going on, the immensity of it. I, the condemned and to live, and someone else willingly and voluntarily offers his life for me? Is this some dream? No, it's no dream. It's what Jesus has done for every single one of us. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Will you trust your life to that love? Will you remain in that love? Will you give up your independence and depend on the one who loves you like that? Will you listen to the one who loves you like that. Obey the one who loves you like that. Pray continually to the one who loves you like that. Because Jesus promises that as you do, as you remain in him and remain in his love, well, then you'll bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Let's pray together. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus Christ, give us big enough hearts to grasp that love. Transform us from the the inside of our being with that love that we might long to remain in that love with you that we might long to listen to you, obey you, pray to you, and that as we live our life in relationship, we might bear fruit. See the change in the world that you long to see coming through us by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.